welcome back to Plastic Surgery Decoded, the podcast where we demystify plastic surgery and provide a foundation for understanding it, whether you're actually considering a procedure or you're just curious. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Regina Newhan, and in this season number four, you'll find a new approach, including interviews and covering a wide variety of subjects. But after you listen to this episode, I encourage you to go back and really explore the previous seasons as they are full of valuable information. You get to pick and choose what to learn about next. Season one covers common aesthetic or cosmetic surgery topics and skincare, while season two explains reconstructive surgery topics. Then season three goes over general questions about plastic surgery. Remember that this podcast reflects my experience and opinion, as well as those of any guest interviewed. It is not intended to provide medical advice, nor is it a substitute for a formal consultation with your physician. So stay tuned for this interesting journey we'll take together in the ever-expanding world of plastic surgery. Let's go. Cosmetic procedures are a huge part of the field of plastic surgery, as demonstrated by the exponential growth and sheer number performed in this country each year. So it follows that these would receive a lot of attention on social and other media forms and be highlighted by celebrities and influencers. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, you name it. But what's okay to believe? There is always the temptation to try to look like those who are attractive and successful on social media. Let's face it, it's human nature to emulate people we revere or admire. And who knows, a cosmetic procedure along those lines might be just the thing for us. But it's important to have all the right information, minus any distortive photo filters, and to be realistic about expectations. Plus, contemplate how differently we may feel in the future about this possibly lasting change. Like anything else, trends go in and out of style. So what great timing it is that we have the current president of the American Society of Plastic Surgeons, Dr. Gregory Greco, here today to give some interesting perspective to this topic. Take a listen. Well, today is a special day because I am privileged to have with me the sitting president of the American Society of Plastic Surgeons, Dr. Gregory Greco. This is big stuff. Welcome. Well, thank you, Regina, for having me. I'm really excited that you asked me to participate in your podcast, so thank you. Wonderful. Dr. Greco is currently in private practice as founder of Monmouth Plastic Surgery in New Jersey and New York City, and he has several ongoing academic appointments, particularly at Rutgers University. I actually, uh, interestingly, run a general surgery residency, many who aspire to be plastic surgeons. Yay! (laughs) Well, first of all, how did you become interested in plastic surgery, and what do you enjoy about it? Um, You know, I first became interested in plastic surgery by having a great mentor. I was a medical student working, um, and I remember being assigned to a case, and I will mention his name, Joe Reichman, who was a plastic surgeon, um, and he just was really interested in making sure that I enjoyed the case, and it really just kind of resonated with me, and from that day on, I kind of got the plastic surgery bug. I knew I wanted to be a surgeon. I I always knew that, Um, and then plastic surgery again. I don't think mentors realize or or surgeons realize how influential they can be on someone's career. I think you're right. And then my um, uh, overall uh, practice, what I love most about it is the fact that it's such a unique field, being able to operate from head to toe, 
you know, I guess it's good and it's bad, right? We don't necessarily claim a particular organ, so we see encroachment from other specialties. However, I think walking into an operating room every day, knowing that you're a very capable surgeon, regardless of what you encounter, is a really special thing. Yeah, I loved that feeling, actually. I, I, I get exactly what you're saying. You just feel like whatever it is, we can handle it. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, now, could you explain what the ASPS is and your role as president? Sure. Um, the American Society of Plastic Surgeons is the national society. It's the largest plastic surgery society representing more than 7,000 plastic surgeons in the United States, including our residents and fellows in training, and also um, having such a large international consortium as well, representing over 11,000 members worldwide who are, in fact, trained plastic surgeons. And we basically are the unified voice of plastic surgery. We try to be the scientific voice also for the profession, not only advocating for our patients, but advocating for plastic surgery, patient safety, and the promotion of education and through so much. Um, we have uh, a plastic surgery foundation, which is devoted to the research in the field of plastic surgery and also things like data registries, where we are committed to collecting outcomes data. And we have things called the National Breast Implant Registry, where we look at breast implants. And we look at things like fat grafting, where we you know, monitor outcomes. And it's, again, all patient safety driven. We assure that patients are getting and knowing about the highest quality plastic surgery and patient safety that's out there. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, we're here to talk today about cosmetic procedure trends, particularly those heightened by celebrities and social media influencers. And let me ask you, what are some of the specific trends that you've noticed in your own practice and in that of colleagues around the country? Depends on the week, Regina. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just did a great piece. A reporter from the Wall Street Journal called me about buckle fat pad uh, removal. This is the, the fat that's in your cheek to help kind of narrow the cheek and give you a more defined look in your face. So mm -hmm. that's definitely, that's been a big TikTok trend and a social media trend over the course of the last year or so. Um, mm -hmm. We've seen some celebrities and then you have so many of the social media platforms where you either have plastic surgeons or others commenting on the possibility of what celebrities have had done. Um, so this is something that we've seen trending, gluteal fat grafting, but the more you know, common term is Brazilian butt lift. Um, so yes. this is something that's been trending as well, whether it's for the better or worse, because you know all of these things, regardless, these are all medical procedures um, that pose risk. They carry risk, and um, you know some of them are minor. However, things like gluteal fat grafting, you know, we've we've certainly tackled a bunch of issues throughout the country with this procedure, but these are things that, when performed safely, you know, can often provide terrific results. Um, we've seen trends in um, lip augmentation, and this is uh, something yes. that, you know, the lips can be all over the place. We all have certain examples, and, you know, I think when patients think about plastic surgery, whether they're minor or major procedures, everybody conjures up an image, usually of the worst possible example, and those are yeah. the things that people kind of lead with. I, well, I don't want to look like X. Um, and, you know, I think that so many things, especially when you go to the right professional, the right person, um, when it's done well, you just don't know. You look 
better but not different. But the trends are, you know, we're always trying to keep track. And I, I tell everybody that I have to sit in my waiting room and read the magazines to understand, you know, or browse the computer to see what's happening next, because it's very hard for us as practitioners <laughs> to right. spend a lot of time on social media trying right. to figure just out to do your job. <laughs> what, what we're supposed to know next. So, Yeah, gosh. Well, you know, of course, I remember decades ago, uh, people wanted a slender buttocks and they would come in for a liposuction or, or liposculpture of the buttock. And um, of course, nowadays, everyone wants an enhanced buttock contour. And the same with lips, you know, the lip augmentation uh, has been a trend over the last few decades that has has persisted. Anything you've noticed that was popular in the past, but perhaps is no longer in favor? Um, you know, I think it's interesting. You know, there seems to be a cycle of breast implants, whether it's breast augmentation yes. or whether, you know, and, and what, at least in my practice, and I, I certainly, you know, we've seen this trend nationally as well, where patients are requesting either smaller breast implants or complete removal of their breast implants. You know, many mm -hmm. patients in my practice will come in um, and suggest that, you know, they think they're done with their breast implants. They had them, they may have gotten them in, you know, their 20s and now they're in their 40s or 50s and they just like their breast implants removed and maybe some type of natural augmentation, either autologous fat grafting or some type of a breast lift. Um, and I think that, you know, the science has caught up with us as far as being able to offer really great solutions for people who may not want their breast implants anymore. And mm -hmm. I've definitely seen an uptick in those procedures where people are necessarily moving away from their breast implants. Um, but with that said, we're not really seeing a decline in the number of women who are still getting breast implants as well. It's mm -hmm. just kind of, you know, trending uh, for the, a different population to remove. Do you think uh, in those patients who come in for augmentation with an implant, do you find that they are generally wanting a smaller augmentation than perhaps a couple of decades ago? Or do you think it's about the same, the demand? I think it's such a great question. <laughs> and, and I think that you know as a plastic surgeon, regardless of what you do, about 95% of patients often want to be a little larger because I think they've achieved their whatever they're creating with their bras and their pads with their implant right. and now they realize well i look good but i could have gone a little bit bigger but i think this is a is kind of a geo zip answer because i think it depends on where you practice oh, yes. so you know i'm in the northeast so we tend to at least in in my particular area we kind of tend towards a more moderate breast implants not large so i think CC for CC, it would be an interesting study to understand, you know, where volumes are greatest. Yeah, that would be interesting. Without being presumptuous. Well, of course, of course. You know, along that line, are there certain procedures that are in fashion now that you think risk being out of favor in another 10 or 20 years? That's always such a great question. Um, I think one of the things we're starting to see is, especially as you spoke about the BBL or mm -hmm. the autologous fat grafting to sure. the buttock, there was a real uptick over, I think, the last 10 years or so for this procedure. And now as we see the major celebrities who 
not necessarily promoted it, but certainly have been seen with it. And now we're actually backing down and we're seeing all of a sudden, you know, the buttock regression, if you will. So so I I would imagine that that's a procedure where we may see some change. Um, Again, am I sure about it? Of course not. I I can't, you know, uh, predict that. But I think that your motivations at different ages are certainly, you know, they change. And as you age with your procedure, you may all of a sudden have different desires. And fortunately, there are many plastic surgeons, especially hopefully the original plastic surgeon, who can either reverse the procedure or certainly, you know, get you back to where you'd like to be comfortably. That's an excellent point. You know, we have different priorities at different phases in our age span or our life. So that's really a good thing to think about. Well, you know, certainly it can feel uplifting for some people to undergo cosmetic procedures that are on trend. But in your view, can there be some drawbacks too? What do you think are the benefits of popular influence on procedures and the potential fallout? I think, unfortunately, social media has really kind of confused a lot of the general public, including us as plastic surgeons, you know. So when you're looking at what you think looks good, we don't know now. We're not sure, okay, is this a filter? What are we looking at? You know, we have so many of our own uh, professionals, whether they're plastic surgeons or aesthetic medicine doctors. um, I always say that plastic surgery has now more or less become performance art. Oh. And whether you buy into that or not, I think what we're doing is we're certainly educating the public. So even at the end of the day, all the social media is, in, in fact, educating the public about certain procedures. The issue is it may be setting unrealistic expectations in certain uh, populations of the public. So what patients are seeing on social media are not necessarily, you know, reproducible in whom said patient in front of you. So Mm -hmm. that's a good word, reproducible. Yeah. 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 So I think our job is to really educate and make everybody understand that, you know, just because a doctor on TikTok or a doctor in another region is able to do this, it may not necessarily be achievable in you, or maybe it is, you know, again, it's a hard one. And I I really struggle with how to deal with um, some of the expectations that people have from social media, because now you think about almost all of your results as, you know, a possible social media um, post, you know, know? and not that that's a bad thing. I think it keeps us honest. And I think that, you know, we would all love our patients to consent to be able to show their results because, you know, we into the operating room every day wanting to do our best for our patients, right? So we always want the best results. But I think that once again, when you don't have the full story and you have, you know, a 15 seconds of the story, it confuses us. It confuses us as doctors. It confuses us as patients and the overall general public. Again, I think it's 70% good, 30% confusing. Yeah. So... And then you have to deal with the personality of the patient, too. And uh, there's even something referred to as Snapchat dysphoria, where people will constantly be bombarded with these images on social media that are not realistic. Uh, They're altered in some way. um, Or maybe it's a camera angle or it's a, you know, lighting issue or something. And then feeling the need to uh, aspire to that or, hey, I need to achieve that and feeling inadequate. So that it is really hard, I think, as a physician, as a surgeon, to try to balance the psyche of the patient, if you will, and also what is achievable. How do you think surgeons 
generally screen potential patients who walk through the door and ask for a trending procedure they've seen in the media? How are they assessed for realistic understanding of the procedure? And also about some of the long-term consequences uh, or how things might shape up later down the road as the patient continues to age. I'm thinking of, you know, buckle fat pad excision and things like that. What are your thoughts? Uh, well, thanks for that question. I think it's really important that we as providers, us as a society, so not only the American Society of Plastic Surgeons, but us as individual plastic surgeons, our main focus is to educate our patients, right? So we can come in, and, and I think most of us, especially you know, as you advance in your career, you're pretty good about understanding everybody's intentions, right? Mm-hmm. Assuming you spend enough time with your patient at that initial consultation, I think you get the patient, you understand, and I think that you all have to have this shared decision-making. You have to both be on the same page to move forward, mm-hmm. right? Many years ago, I started having having patients bring in photographs of what they consider their aesthetic. So if I'm doing a rhinoplasty or if I'm doing a breast augmentation, I want them to bring in photographs of what they like. I want good old magazine cutouts or now images off the internet, and I want them to write what they like and what they don't like, whether it's a nose, whether it's a breast. What are you trying to achieve? So I can understand this versus just kind of this conversation about what you're trying to achieve. Um, and I think it's ultimately patient education, you know, providing the resources. I, you know, every patient comes in, um, and we, as as physicians, as plastic surgeons, I think, you know, we're pretty good at educating our patients, whether it's through the consent process, uh, making them understand, you know, there are long-term consequences to your surgery. So if you have an implant, you know that the FDA uh, recommends that it's a 10-year medical device, and, you know, then we can talk about everything from there. We can talk about whether it's some of the associated, you know, risks of having a breast implant, some of the things that can happen to the breast naturally, whether it's about imaging of the breast, and we can talk about tummy tucks, and we can talk about abdominal pain, you know, all the good and all the bad. You know, there's so many positive effects of having cosmetic surgery, especially if there's something that bothers you about your body that you can correct, and I think, you know, we've all seen the positive influence that this can have on a person's overall well-being, right? So sure. I think as long as we understand that our patient's intentions are genuine and these are surgical procedures, so they're not without risk. And I think as long as our patients are are healthy and can undergo these, I think it's a very positive influence and effect on someone's life. Yeah. And as you say, you know, explaining what can happen later down the road or how things might shift or change, you know, as they age, I think is so important too. I think buckle fat pad is the perfect example because, you know, some people are unhappy with their chubby cheeks. But one of the things that we see is that as we age, we lose volume in our face. Naturally, yeah. And we now know, and because we have all this volumetric analysis over the course of years, that mm-hmm. we know that when we see a patient in the office talking about facial rejuvenation, we're going to talk about both the structural, meaning the actual, if we're going to do a facelift, we're going to fix that foundation, but we're also going to add volume. So we mm-hmm. often will harvest fat and then put it back in the face. Mm-hmm. So in their 20s, we may be taking the fat out of your face, but in your 50s or 60s, we're going to just be putting it back in. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, again, I think it's just one of those things that as long as patients understand and you have that conversation um, about some of the effects that, you know, could happen down the road, again, I, I think that's fair. There's always the unknowns, which, you know, we, we always talk about in our consents as well, the things we just don't know. We don't have any data. We don't have any science on it. But again, I think that's where the shared decision making is so important yeah. with your patient. Agreed. And, you know, looking at it from the other direction, you know, sure, we know that celebrities and influencers can popularize trends, but what about plastic surgeons themselves? Do you think many surgeons feel pressure to have a strong presence on social media to promote their practice? Yeah, I think the influence of social media on both the influences as well as the plastic surgeons Mm -hmm. um, out there, we all want to probably have more of a social media presence because we all have this FOMO, this fear of missing out that, you know, we're not doing enough on social media. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think more plastic surgeons than not are taking care of their patients. They're not worrying about their next dance for TikTok or, you know, getting someone to film the right shot in the operating room. So, you know, again, I appreciate it and some people do it really well, but you know, we do see that there's a lot of cringe-worthy material out there that we watch, yeah. and it's difficult, you know. But again, I, I think it's something that it's generational, mm-hmm. so trying to explain it away to me is very different than some of our young surgeons coming into practice because it's such a part of their life. And, yeah. and again, I think it can be done very well, and I can think it can be done educationally mm-hmm. as long as there are guardrails and you know the patients have consented to the use of their photographs i mean there's so many things that you know as long as we do it well it's a real service to the public yeah well for patients who are interested in a trending procedure and do have grounded realistic goals let's discuss the importance of being evaluated by a competent surgeon what are your thoughts Uh, Being evaluated by a competent surgeon, regardless of the surgery you're having done, is so incredibly important. Um, The American Society of Plastic Surgeons has done uh, many do-your-homework campaigns. You know, I jokingly say it, but I kind of mean it, that if you're buying a new dishwasher, you will probably do more research on your next dishwasher than you will on your physician. Oh my gosh. Because so many people are just, you know, because they had a friend who had a good result, that's great. And I think that one of the best ways and one of the the most important ways for physicians to build practices with great outcomes. But I think that, you know, we do have a way to check the credentials of people who are going to be operating on you. So we are board certified plastic surgeons. And at the end of the day, the American Board of Medical Specialties, the ABMS, lists all the board certifications that are available in this country. And the American Board of Plastic Surgery, patients can verify the licensure of their physician. They can verify the board of their physician. So, you know, again, we always say the American Board of Plastic Surgery, you know, there's the only plastic surgery board. So everyone has to do their homework um, just because the word cosmetic surgeon, unfortunately, is used very generously by many physicians. And the alternative revenue stream, especially when it comes to aesthetic medicine, is attractive. And people go and get trained in doing aesthetic medicine and certain aesthetic medicine procedures very narrowly. And I think that it's not about doing the procedure, but as you're aware as a plastic surgeon, it's about handling your complications and recognizing your complications. Excellent point. 
And I think Confucius said it that the uh, eyes cannot see what the mind does not know. Yes. And, and this is something that's so important that, you know, patients recognize that it's not about having the procedure. It's about knowing all the consequences of the procedure and all of the harm that could be done with the procedure. And I don't know if we're in the minority that we lead with that, that we're always thinking every time you go in an operating room, you're thinking about staying safe. Mm-hmm. Every time you're injecting a lip, you're thinking about where the artery is and you're thinking about, you know, how to keep your patient out of trouble. And I'm not sure that everybody necessarily leads with that. Again, I don't know if it's presumptuous on my part, but I really want to make sure that, you know, even if I don't care where the patients are going, as long as they're safe, you know, I think your patients come to you because of your reputation and they, you know, they trust you and you build this bond, trust, outcomes, whatever the reasons patients are drawn to your practice. I think, though, you have an obligation to make sure that, you know, you truly do no harm. Yeah. Or at least you recognize the harm yeah. and you fix it. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great place to leave things. Any final words you'd like to say about our subject today? Well, I think, you know, social media and the influence on plastic surgical procedures, um, whether they're trending or they're in vogue, out of vogue, you know, is something that is not obviously going away. And I think ultimately, and at the end of the day, the consumers out there, you know, really, I just stress and underscore the importance of making sure that, you know, this is something that's well-researched and, you know, a qualified credentialed plastic surgeon is performing your procedure. And I think that Every plastic surgeon um, who is qualified and confident in their abilities would ultimately let you speak to their patients and, mm. you know, show you their results, their before sure. and after results, you know, aside from the Instagram, and show you their bad results. I mean, one of yeah. the things that I think is so important is that not every result is perfect, right. right? There are so many things that go into what we do, whether it's, you know, the patient comorbidities or some of the skin characteristics, whatever, but not every result is perfect. And I think that people have to understand that, you know, we're doing our best every single day. But sometimes you have to do a little revision. We have to do things to make sure that we have, you know, achieved our shared goals together and to make sure that the patients are safe at the end of the day. So I want the take-home message to be, you know, really do your homework and make sure that although social media is fun, at the end of the day, these are still medical procedures that need to be performed safely for everybody. Wise words. Well, Dr. Gregory Greco, president of ASPS, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your wisdom with us. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Regina. I really appreciate the time. Have a great day. You bet. Well, that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed it and learned something too. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Please share this podcast with someone else who might be interested. And while you're at it, check out the podcast website for related topics to explore. It's www.plasticsurgerydecoded.com. And as always, thank you for listening to Plastic Surgery Decoded.